amazing, amazing thing. I was uh, looking back in worship, seeing JJ and Yaku and Sharon. They helped us when we came down to Cape Town to plant the church. Um, Yaku, we didn't have any money. I mean, we, uh, they did send us, but they didn't give us a lot of money. And I remember they volunteered and uh, just some funny stories to tell you how God uses normal people. They volunteered and they drove MC's car and I loaded my whole house on two trailers and they drove the one and I drove the other. My trailer was so heavy, I burst tires on the way down and couldn't go uphill often. I had to go to first gear and crawl uphill and cars. And halfway down, I remember Yaku and Sharon pulling over and they ran to our car with this shocked look on their face. And they were like, brew, the demons are freaking out. And I was like, why? What do you mean? And they were like, brew. These, we're hearing demons shouting, hey, 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 hey. And I'm like, what? So seriously, bro. They're going, hey, 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 hey. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, I've seen demon stuff, but I've never, I'm like, what? So they're like, no, seriously, bro. They're like, so I went to go to the car, and I'm like, put the accelerator, and there was a, a, one of my radiator hoses that burst from the pressure. And there was, there was a steam machine, like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> And then I was thinking of Chantel when she first came. And uh, when she first came to the church, she was unsaved. And she had this boyfriend. That, and he, used to, he physically abused her. And I remember trying to, trying to get her to, to, to you know, come to Jesus and then to find the courage to break up with him. So we went away on a weekend, early days of the church plant. And um, somewhere on that weekend, she found the faith. She knew this guy was not good for her and she needed to break up with him. So MC and myself and the two of them. And uh, so she goes into the room with him to break up with him, and we're praying outside, because he's not good for her, and uh, the next thing, he runs out the room, he didn't like the news, obviously, and he, he climbs a tree, and he finds a rope somehow, and he puts a rope around his neck, like a noose, and he's like, if Chantel breaks up with me, I'm going to hang myself, and now we're all watching this, like, like they don't teach you this at Bible school, you know, like, what are you supposed to do with all of this? And he's about to hang himself. Like, Sean, tell, tell me you won't break up with me. And she's like, Sean, Sean, I've got to break up with you. And, he, and I can see as this is going on, he doesn't really want to do it. He's just trying to bully her and manipulate her. But what he doesn't realize is the branch he's standing on is a bit dodgy. And so at one point when it's all going pear and it's not going the way he thought it would, the branch breaks. And he suddenly, whoop, and he's hanging by his neck. Now what you gonna kicking and he's literally hanging himself, spitting himself. And I had to go run up and grab his feet and hold him up because he didn't really want to die. And they had to try and work out how we were gonna get him from doing this is these are the people that Jesus uses. <laughs> and you know, I'm I was in tears in the worship because looking across at you, at the devotion, at the love. And I think we, we planted the church with that in our hearts. We planted the church with this dream of Christianity that would be just like the Bible. And we looked around and there was so little of that. Do you know in this worship, there were spiritual songs sung that were never written by man. There were prophetic words flowing. You just don't see that stuff in church anymore. And yet here the Holy Spirit is moving. Here the Holy Spirit is taking ordinary people and doing extra ordinary things. And I want to remind you of that legacy, and I want to call you to it, because God is still the same, and He still wants to find a people who are devoted to Him, who will say, man, I don't have much, but here I am. Lord, use me. And uh, in Matthew 28, verse 19, funny enough, it's very much the theme of the morning, and I didn't know that 
Well, obviously, this is what the Lord told me to preach, so it's very much in line with what he's been saying. Here we see Jesus, the Great Commission, and this is something that he gives to each and every one of us. And it's the, the title of my preach is, What Should We Live For? I mean, what, what should we live for? Yeah, there's a lot of things that are going to vie for your heart and your attention. Marriage, kids, success, career. But what should you live for? Those are nice to have sometimes on the journey. But what should you and I live for? And Jesus said to all who come to him, to all who bow their knee to make him Lord, he said this, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And surely, he says, I am with you to the very end of the age. Go. You and I are called to be a people who are going to reach others for the gospel. We're not here to just wake up and go to work. We're not here to just, you know, get old. We're here with all that we have to see people come to Jesus, to bow their knee and to teach them everything that he, that, that he wants to teach them. And the cool thing about it is, after that comma, in, uh, it says, and, I, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I, I, I really felt that last part struck out at me as I was looking just over my notes. How many want to walk with Jesus? Well, then just do what he's doing. Get to where he's going. And, and, and God uses ordinary people. If you ever read your Bible, you realize it's full of ordinary people who are messed up sometimes. And yet somehow, in fact, they're always messed up. And yet somehow, God does incredible things through ordinary people that just say, yeah. And on the journey, yes, he makes us more like him. On the journey, we do become more like him. But to be honest, he just uses us often, even as we are, as we come to him. And I mean, I remember the guys have grown. And I mean, uh, just, you know, Julian Chantel, Julian saying we're not as cool. You know, we, we're cooler now than we were then. In many ways, they look better then. But spiritually, they are cooler now. They've grown. They've grown more like Jesus. Their marriage is more solid. But these are guys that, that gave it all with their warts. And God healed them as they served him. And I feel like for us... Don't miss this. If God is inviting you and me onto a journey. He's saying, come with me. Let's go do this thing. I'll be with you to the very end of the age. You won't be on your own. He just uses ordinary people. But if you say, yes, Lord, and keep saying, yes, Lord, he takes us and he does unbelievable things through us. And at the end of the day, we know it's him in us, so we'll throw our crowns at his feet one day and say, you alone did it, God. You were the one who built your church, all that I did was say, here am I, use me. And I feel like for each and every one of us, God wants us to get this into us. We're not here to settle. We're not here to you know, have a nice spot. This venue is here so that we can train and equip people so that they can be all that they need to be for Jesus, so that they can go and do what they need to do with Jesus so that the nations can hear about the glory of our God. So you, what do you live for? Well, that's what you're called to live for. That should be your priority in life. It's not about your job. It's not about your career. It's not about getting married. Those are just, Lord, if you want me to. It's about Jesus. I'm yours. You purchased me with blood. You died on a cross to save me. I'm yours. Do with me as you will. And the cool thing with our Father is that He gives good gifts to us as His children. He does bless us. He does blow us away. Hearing that story of the girl going on this you know, outreach to, where was it, to Zambia, I think it was, or Malawi. And I had enough money to get there, not enough money to get back. But I went anyway. 
And now I've got a story to tell. It's that thing of Jesus taking us beyond our comfort zones to actually do incredible things into the world. And, um, and so, you know, here we are, and I, and I feel like this is a, a season where for each of the congregations represented, I want to encourage you. We only have you for a while. You know, one of the cool things about getting old is you realize how short life is. One of my good friends, uh, Lucas Nakos, he leads our Sunnydale congregation. He's 46 years old. He had a double heart attack this week. The one artery that blocked was called the Widowmaker. 10% of people where that artery goes, 10% survive. And he survived. God was gracious to him. 46. You think, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. In 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, Paul the Apostle, knowing that he was, this was his last letter. He's writing it to Timothy, a young man who he knows needs to carry this thing on. And he says, Timothy, that which you've heard me teach, teach to allow the men who themselves be qualified to teach others. And I feel like here's the thing. You've got this time to learn the things that God has taught us, to take them into you, to make them yours, because we're not here forever. And then it's for you to take the baton onto the next generation. And don't sit there thinking your life is not important. Don't sit there thinking God does not want to use you. Because God says as a good father, before I made the world, I had predestined unique, specific things for each and every one of your lives. But there's things that will come to try and suck you away from what God has for you. Like the devil came to Jesus when he was tempted and offered him the world and offered him you know, all these different things. Bow down and worship me, serve me, and I will give you the world. And the world around you is going to try and draw you. It's going to try and draw your heart, your attention, your focus. It's going to try and draw your life. But you are not your own. You were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. You belong to him. And you and I are called to live for him and for him alone. And if we get blessed, great. If we don't, great. Because we're going to live to serve our God. In 2 Corinthians 5.15, I I love this scripture. It, It tells us really what we're supposed to live for directly. And it says this, and Jesus died for all. Just Do you realize that, I'm just going to pause there, that he died for you. I mean, he literally took your bullet. Every single sin, every single failure, every single selfish act, every single thing that was not like him needed to be paid for. It needed to be accounted for because actually we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all messed up. We've all been nothing like God. He is love and we are (laughs) self-lovers. He is a servant and we want to be the one served. He is the one who is perfect in every way. And we actually are more imperfect than we realize. And each of our sins separates us from him. Because God, who wants intimacy with us, cannot join himself in intimate union with us. Because we would corrupt the very Godhead itself. In other words, if God let you into the Godhead as you are, without dealing with stuff, you would destroy God himself. He would no longer be God. And the word for knowing God is coitus. It's the same word as the word of a man and a woman intimately becoming one in marriage. Two become one flesh. God wants to have a one flesh type relationship with you and I. But our sin has separated us from him. And the wages of sin, Matthew, Romans 6.23, the consequence of what we've done is death. It's eternal separation from the one who is life. 
There is really none of us. There's no one righteous. Not even one, God says. But John tells us, but God so loved the world. Who's that? That's me. That's you. He looked at us kicking and screaming in our own sin and our own blood, dying because of the things we chose. And he loved us. And he came to save us. And Jesus died on a cross. And as he died on the cross, he took upon every single sin. He died for the sins of the whole world. God, the creator, loved you enough. The one who has it all, who's perfectly happy within himself. God, Son, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Loved you enough to come and actually pay the price for your sin. Paid in full when he dies on the cross. It is finished. I have paid the price in full. Every sin committed is paid for. If you would just believe. And then through belief, there is reconciliation. There's a relationship restored. And God can say, I have covered your evil. I've covered your sin. Come in to this relationship that I have for you. And we start to walk with God. I met God when I was 20 years of age. I was a drug addict. Demonized. I had demons got out of me twice. And I met him. I'd grown up in the church. I never met him in the church. But I met him that day in a church. And then I started the journey of walking with him. And God liked these guys. What, what God has done is what God has done. I know who I am. I lived in a car for two years. I had demons got out of me. I was suicidal and depressed. Struggling out of drugs when I came to him. Broken, messed up. And, and my wife was even more messed up than me. She really was. And then God found us and God started to fix and save us and make us like himself. And he died for all. He died for you. For you. If you were the only person, his love for you was such that he would have died just for you. To bring you into relationship with himself. And then he dies for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves. You see, he didn't live for himself, did he? When he lived, who did he live for? He lived to die for your sin. He actually lived to glorify God and to save you. That was his purpose. And because he lived like that, those who believe in him now no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised again. We don't live for ourselves. We live for him. That's actually what it means to be a Christian. I mean, if anyone teaches you anything different to that, they're not teaching you the gospel. To be saved means to make Jesus my absolute Savior and Lord. To come into a relationship with him by being born again by the Holy Spirit. Being saved in my sin. I mean, I can tell you stories about these guys. Where we came from. And God saved us. And called us. So I'm going to do stuff with your lives. And we simply just gave ourselves and said, yes, Lord. Here we are. And each of you sitting here, I could go through the strings of people. You're, what you are in is because of the sacrifice of others. Because they lived to make disciples of nations. And it does not stop here. It does not stop here. 
You have to take this thing and make it your own. You have to pick up your own cross and deny yourself. You have to choose as we did to say, I no longer live for myself. I will live for him. You know, I marvel in the, in the book of, you read the book of Acts and you see how the early church was born and then it was persecuted. And how many of you know Jewish people are really good at making money? They just are. They've got this like anointing or something. And so, you know, when persecution hits and the Jews are scattered from Jerusalem, they're all Jewish Christians and they're scattering. I'm pretty sure if you, if you had to leave a city, run for your life because they're going to kill you in that city. A part of your thinking would be where would be the best place to land financially? Would it not? I've got kids. I've got a wife. I've got to live. Where would be a good place for me to land financially? And James, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, writes to the scattered church. And he says this. Don't say when you go, I'm going to go here, there, and do this and that for an income or something like that. He says, say, if it is the Lord's will, I will go here or there. And do this or that. We don't follow money. If your if your boss can buy you, and your boss then being the devil, if the, your boss can move you for money, then money is your god. If your career will move you, then your career is your god. If your wife or family will, then they your god. I'm his. I'm his, and he's the one who'll provide for me. I'm not going to lean into my own understanding. I'm not going to lean, yes, Lord, you might give me a career and I hope I can use that somehow for your glory. But I'll hold it very lightly and I'll hold on to you with everything that I've got. But I am not my own. I was bought at a price. Does this make sense? And this is 101 Christianity. Uh, it seems radical here because the church is just that dead. But this is 101 Christianity. This is what it means to follow Jesus. And this is what made the early church turn the world upside down. And how many of you know the world needs to be turned upside down all over again? It is a mess and it's dying and it's going to hell faster than it knows what to do with itself. And so we're to live together for him. And in Philippians 2 verse 2, I'm going to read from the New American Standard. Bible, I don't know which one they're going to use up there. Yeah, that's the one. Make my joy complete, Paul writes, by being of the same mind. Here's how, here's how it works out for us. We're all going to live for the glory of God. How? Are we going to have one mind? Maintaining the same love. What love are we going to maintain? His love. It's in our hearts that we love one another as he's loved us. There's no place for offense. There's no place for, because we actually live to love others. We don't live for ourselves any longer. We exist to share the love of God that he's put in us with those around us. You know, if church has become a duty because you've lost your love. It's like marriage. Marriage becomes a duty when you, when you lose love. But when you have love, duty is a joy. Serving is a joy. Surrender and giving yourself is a joy. If it's become a duty, you've lost your love. But I'm in love with him. How do I not serve him? And how do I serve him? Well, as you heard, by loving who he loves. Who does he love? Well, he loves you firstly, but then he also loves the world. And so I'm going to pour my life out first for the church who he has ransomed, my brothers and sisters in my father's family. And we're going to show the world what love really is. They should look at us and go, oh, is that what God's like? 
There were no needy people among them. Why? Because they shared what they had. Why? Because their love consumed them. His love consumed them. United in spirit. We stay together in the Lord. We stay our spirits joined together with His spirit. And intent on one purpose. What's our purpose? You know how you know your purpose is? Just go where your elders point you. Because if they represent, if you represent the body, then the leaders represent those who are supposed to be listening to Jesus. And you better find leaders that actually are listening to Jesus. Otherwise, they're just going to make you, they're just going to build their own things. But if your leaders are listening to Jesus, you and I are actually to give ourselves and to actually run with what they run at. So we're going to plant a new church. But we need some guys to stay to help us keep this. Okay. At that point, everyone goes, Lord, I'm in. I'm a member of this body. I'm in. What do you want me to do? I feel maybe to go. You bring it to your leaders. I was actually looking at Hans. Where are you, Hans? You still in this congregation? No. Actually, you know what I'm going to tell you? I felt the Holy Spirit say this to me. I think in your heart at times you've thought, Lord, where? And I felt the Lord say this to me in worship. He said, actually, I've put you here because this man does not represent fullness. No man does. And you represent another aspect of who God is. And actually the two together are actually going to raise up a generation beyond them that will run into the nations and do great things. But actually for the next season, and, and maybe it's going to be a long one, I felt the Lord say, pour your life out here. Give yourself here because God will give you many sons and daughters who will run and will take great ground. And that needs to be tested in the Holy Spirit because I'm only a man. But as we test these things in the Lord, we know what the Lord's will is because there's a unit. Everyone says, yes, that's, we sense that same thing. and something in their heart. If this is the Lord, it will start to resonate. Yes, Lord, we know this is you. And so we follow the Lord. But we all follow the Lord. It's not just the leaders. We all follow the Lord. Lord, what would you have me do? We're about to have a conference and they're going to ask for hosting. What do we do? People are going to come from around the world. We've got an American family. Where are the American creatures and his family over there? They've come over a family of six. Four kids. They don't have TVs where they come from. <laughs> In South Africa for six months. Six months. Family of six. My sister and her husband. I've already hosted them for two months. And my house has been renovated. So they hosted me as well. And my mom. That house is like a church. <laughs> we were sharing out bedrooms. Who sleeps where? Because these are just things. These are just things. And what we do for the least these lawns of, of his, we do it for him. We're going to have guys come from all over the world to learn what God has put in us, to take it back. Don't miss that moment. We're about to have a conference. If you want to do anything for Jesus, don't miss it. And I'm not saying it because I want numbers at the conference. I'm saying it because I know what those things have done in my heart. 
I know what they did in me. I remember when I was, first came into something that was a little bit like this. And I was kind of hurt by the church and a little bit jaded. And I remember going to this conference and, you know, we went because the leader said we should go. And we felt a bit of pressure. We weren't even that excited. And we went and sitting there. And I heard one preach. And in that preach, the fear of God came over me. I realized I was living for me. I wasn't living for him. And I knew that if I died in that space, even as a Christian, I was not going to hear well done, good and faithful servant. And the fear of God came over me. I remember walking out and my wife walked out and, and I hadn't spoken to her. And, but as we walked out, she looked at me and said, we need to change. That conference, one meeting, changed your lives, let alone mine. How many, how, many, how many things has God called us to do? He says, the things I've got for you are wilder and greater than you can dream of or imagine. How many people have sacrificed those things because the devil has offered the world and they've bought in? Because they've settled for career and comfort and convenience. They've settled for a nice church where they can just go every week with their little kids and, and, and hear nice songs and an uplifting preach. For goodness sake, is that what Jesus died for? Comfort and convenience. Compromise Christianity. No longer the cross. No longer, Lord, we are yours. No longer, we no longer live for ourselves. We live for you. We've settled for, it's like the church is in ruins and she needs to be rebuilt. She needs to come back to Christ, back to the New Testament. And to do that, it means you and I go, here my Lord. Here am I. And listen to me. You have no idea what God will do through your life. But I guarantee you, I think, I guarantee you this. It's going to be wilder than you can dream of or imagine. Come, let's go make disciples of nations. And I'll be with you to the very end of the age. And when he's with you, crazy stuff happens. Crazy stuff happens. You see, at the end of our lives, we should have stories of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And faith is when I can't, Lord, when I feel inadequate, when I'm, I'm not able. But Lord, I'm here. And I'll, maybe, I don't want to go to some, but I remember when we came down here to plant Josh Jen, they gave me six months salary and um, I could tell you so many stories of faith. But I remember at one point we arrived here, I didn't earn enough to pay for my rent in Cape Town because the town I came from was much poorer and... I think Yaku and Sharon, you didn't have income. Julie didn't have an income. Huh? You didn't even have a car. Julie, they got a lift down. He just got saved out of drugs. And she was also saved out of drugs. He, he looked like Satan in those days. <laughs> huh? Yeah, when we used to, the guys used to visit our church. They used to walk in church. I had long hair too when he planted. They used to say, this guy looks like Jesus and this guy looks like Satan. <laughs> we had nothing. We had nothing. And I remember once sitting, uh, we went to the Spur at, at Bayside. It was a much smaller mall then. And we were sitting at Spur. We just arrived there and I was thinking, looking at these people, I knew nobody in Tableview. And I remember thinking, dear Jesus, what have I done? Like I was so scared, I felt like I felt like a hand gripped my heart. I thought I, I had a good. There was good church in PE. I was a part of. They were little chokers in that church. Dad was an elder, Dion and Kim. 
How old were you when you planted? You were still there. You must have been about 10, 8. I knew them when they were like, I'd left that church. Salary. Came to Cape Town and I remember sitting there thinking, dear God, dear God. I didn't sleep. I thought, what, what have we done? Thank God. My wife had faith. She was like, God's going to do it. And I was like, ah. <laughs> We'd left everything. Everything we had. But the Bible says, if a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will produce 30, 60, or 100 times what is sown. And God took that sacrifice and the sacrifice of others and built churches that glorify his son. And he's still doing that today. And I feel like the Lord's inviting you onto it. He's inviting us, saying, come, let's go make disciples of nations. Stop living for yourself. Start living for me and see if I won't do abundantly more than you can dream of or imagine. But let's start the journey. And it's going to cost. I guarantee you, you're going to have moments like me where you sit there thinking, Jesus, when that girl went to Malawi, I guarantee you there was a time when she was going, okay, I'm going, I don't know how I'm coming back. Jesus. Yaku and Sharon had their Jesus moments. JJ and Sonia moving across. Jesus moments. Jesus. Thank God. Thank God. I wouldn't change it for the world. But what does it profit a man to gain the whole world to forfeit his soul? What does it profit you? What does it benefit you? But if you lose your life for him, for his sake, he will not fail to give you 30, 60, or 100 times what you give up in this life and forevermore. Your life is short, man. Live it for his glory. And I want to I want to really close. You've already all committed yourself, which I was going to hopefully get you to do. We've done that like three times. I can't. I think everyone responded. It was like, I think even people that didn't believe in Jesus just stood up and were like. <laughs> but I know this. That God loves you. And I know this. That through you as an individual, God is going to do stuff that will shake hell and glorify his son. I know that. Because that's what he's like. When I read my Bible, that's what he's like. When I look at my life and the life of those who have followed. Give yourself to something bigger. It'll kill you. But it'll save you. And so, can I ask you to, again, I actually do want to call you to respond. In some ways, just Lord. And, and when I'm asking for a response, I'm not just asking you to stand. I'm asking you to say, in standing, I'm reprioritizing. I'm reprioritizing. I'm going to give myself. I'm going to run together. One heart, one mind, one purpose. Because together, with Him, and us, hell's got no chance, because he'll build his church, and the gates will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Father, I just see so many faces, many that I know, and many that I don't. But I know this: you know each and every one by name. In fact, you tell us that you even know the numbers of hairs on their head. They're precious to you. When each one responded, 
you danced and leapt and rejoiced with singing. And you love them with an everlasting love. Father, I know that the love you have for each individual is greater than we'll comprehend the side of eternity. And I also know that the things you want to do with them will truly blow their minds. I know you want to bring them on a journey. As they put you first, you actually want to walk with them and do profound, amazing things. So maybe before I pray for the church, if you had a day and you've never, ever truly given your life to Jesus, you maybe have grown up in the church, or maybe you haven't, maybe you've tried other religions or whatever it is, but you never truly understood that sin is a thing that separates us from God. And sin being this, that we aren't like Him. That we fundamentally are, in our core, selfish and egotistical and self-centered. That we actually don't love like He loves. And, and this is love, He tells us. This is love. That the God who made the world would give His life and die on a cross for you who were His enemy because of the attitude of your heart. That He would love you and cover your sin and bring you into a relationship based not upon your goodness or your attractiveness, but based upon the fact that He is love. Who's loved like that? None of us. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. The consequence of not being like Him is separation from Him. And if you separate from the one who is life, you end up in death. Your sin has separated you from God. And so when you die, you die and you'll be eternally separated from Him. Thrown away, worthless. But God loves you. Wants to give you worth. If you'd but believe. So Jesus died on the cross. And He died for the sins of the world. He died for your sin. The Bible says the sins of the whole world were laid upon Him. And Jesus on that cross should have taken possibly two days to die. But He died in a few hours because of the weight of the sin of the world. Your sin and my sin. And if you believe, if you'll come to Him and ask Him to forgive you, and you'll bow your knee to Him and say, I no longer want to live for me. I want to live for the one who died for me. I want to get to know you. I want to become like you. I don't want to be selfish anymore. I don't want to be self-centered. I want to be like you. Help me, God. He says, in that moment, He'll wash your sin away. And He'll bring you into His family. And He'll be with you always to the very end of the age. God Himself will come into your life. And God Himself will change everything. Because wherever He goes, everything changes. But He's knocking at your heart and He's saying, will you hear me and will you open the door? And if you're here and you've never done that, you say, God, I want you and I want you and I want to change. I want to know you. I want to be forgiven. Would you lift your hands right now? Just say, yeah, that's me, Andrew. I need to give myself to him. Is there anyone today? I don't know the state of your heart. But I know that God loves you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you.
Anyone else? Thank you. Just respond to God, you know. The Bible says that the God who knows the numbers of hair on your head, which is a whole lot more than even your mom does, began to dance and shout and leap with joy because one of you responded because he loves you. Anyone else? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. I want to ask those guys, before I pray for the church, I want to ask those guys and girls to respond and maybe anyone else with them. I want you to come out and I actually want to right in this place, in this hall, together with these people, pray for God to come and fill you. Because your faith has done away with your sin. Which means... God himself can come and be reconciled. Come out. Come join me up front. Come out. Come out. Awesome, man. There's someone else on that side. Come out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you that as they've confessed, even in standing here, that they believe. I want to thank you that you love them. And I want to thank you that you died to be reconciled with them. Even though they were the ones who wronged you, not you them. Your love was so great that you paid the price. And I want to thank you that in this moment, you have removed their sin from them. As far as the east is from the west. You've made them holy as you yourself are holy. And even though they've got to grow up in your family and walk with you and get to become like you, in a moment, they are with you. And so right now, Father, I want to pray that you would come and fill with your presence. Come and live in their heart. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill them with new life. Come, Lord, come and take possession of what you died for on the cross. Come and be their God. Come and wash away the old. Bring about the new. That they would be born again. Born of the Holy Spirit. Into the very family of God Himself. And I pray that you would fill them right now by your Spirit. That they'd begin to hear your voice. That it'd be clear and crisp in their ear. And that they would know what it is that you've called them to. As they bow today and make you Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I wonder, do you want to take these guys out? I like some of the recommitments. Can you get some guys? These guys are just going to take you out and just pray with you and get your details. I am so stoked with you guys. I know for you some it's deeper, but cruise out with him. And, um, and we're going to pray for the rest of this rabid bunch. He died that we'd no longer live for ourselves but for Him. Come, let's stand together. Father, I want to thank You even as we stand that You take ordinary people, You always have, and You do extraordinary things as we walk with You. And Father, right now, I want to pray and just open Your heart. If You are surrendered to Him, just open Your heart. Just lift Your hands Lord, we stand before you as yeah, the weak, the foolish, the broken. We stand before you and there's not a whole lot in us that you should love us. 
but you do. You've loved us before you made the world. You loved us before we sinned and you loved us in our sin. But you've come to save us. And you've come to save the world around us. And you want to bring us, Lord, on a journey where we give ourselves to you. And so right now, Lord, we yield ourselves to you. We say, God, have your way in me. I don't want to live for a career or our family or whatever else, Lord. I, I, I hope you give me some of those things, but I want to live for you. I want to live for your glory. I don't want to live for me anymore. And Father, I pray even as people are doing that across this hall, I thank you that you see each heart and each sacrifice. And I want to ask, Father, that you would do immeasurably more through their lives, even as you promised to, than they would dream of or imagine. That as they give of themselves and become devoted disciples of Jesus, just like we read in the Bible, they devoted themselves, Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. They met in their homes, eating together with glad and sincere hearts. No one had any need because they shared what they had. The Lord did amazing things. Signs, wonders, and miracles in them as they walked with Him. And daily, the Lord added people to their number because we are here to make disciples of nations. And I pray for each home group that started, for each singer that sings, for each servant that serves, for each home that is open, that we give of ourselves. Use these things for Your glory, God. That we would have thousands of Julians and Chantels, thousands of Orions, thousands of us, Lord. Thousands of us going out into the world and turning it upside down because we walk with our God. Thank you, Jesus. Do it, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Have you got a song? Let's end with a song. Just